0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andy Musgrove. And a quick 10-minute preview to tomorrow's game against Watford. Joined here by Mark Douglas, who's just dashed back from Newcastle's training ground over in Benton. He's spent the afternoon with Rafa Benitez talking about all things Newcastle United. First off, Mark, a busy week for Newcastle United, so we'll start with the question that Pretty much every fan was going to be asking, "What was Rafa Benitez's take on Jamal Lascelles' comments about Mike Ashley being a nice guy?"
1: Well, I think he uh, diffused it pretty well, actually, making reference to the fact that Lascelles really, I think, was talking solely about his experience of Mike Ashley, uh, which was a kind of two hours in. uh, As he pointed out, I think he made the right, he made the right call here. It was, you know, it was a positive, meant to be a team-building sort of exercise when they all met for an Italian in in Pontieland, Um And I think he was basically saying, look, you know, you, people are reading too much into this. Having said that, you know, I think that I can understand why fans felt angry yesterday with it. Um, you know, I, I know there might be some people saying it was an overreaction by certain supporters, but you've got to remember that a lot of people are feeling pretty angry at the way that the club have acted in the last, you know, it's, we're not just talking about the last year or two years or three years. We're talking, going back to sports director arena joking here twice you know all of these things two relegations a failure to back Rafa this is not um, you know it's not something that's happened overnight so when they hear the club captain saying that the the owner who they feel has run down the football club is a nice guy I totally understand why that provoked some anger Rafa's point was look it isn't what you think it is It, it wasn't a reflection he wasn't saying that Um, But in the feverish atmosphere we've got where the team haven't won a game and people are angry with the owner and everything around Newcastle United uh, at the moment, then, you know, you you are going to have that. But Rafa diffused it really well. And I think he basically was saying, look, you know, don't hammer this kid. He wants to play for Newcastle United. If you want, he's the kind of player that you want at Newcastle. Young, talented, wants to be here. Don't turn on him. It, It just doesn't achieve anything. I think he's right on that
0: course, It was all about context, I suppose. The original tweet that came out it did read a lot worse than when Rakshina stood the backstory. Mm. The question was specifically about that meal in Pontiel And then cell said, Look, speaking to him on that night, not about football, not about intercourse. Mm. We had a laugh, he was a nice guy. It wasn't about him, you yeah. The cells trying to kind of diffuse the frustration that fans have towards you know, towards the ownership, yeah. And
1: I remember, like, you know, I, I remember kind of the previous press officer Wendy Taylor once pulling me to one side and saying you know look if you ever if you ever go meet Mike you'd you'd love him he's such a, he's such great company he's garrulous and all this and, that, and my point was <laughs> i think to that was like it's not about what he's like as a person because you know i don't know him and and maybe if you met him he'd be good to go for a pint with. i don't know you know there's a lot of things around mike ashley that you know, people would find contentious. It's not about that. It's about what he's done at Newcastle United, it, and and that is the point. And you know, I felt a bit in some ways for Lascelles because I think he, like you said, he responded to a certain question, but there's a lot of baggage around that question. There's a lot of baggage around Ashley, and really, he, you know, as much as Lascelles is a young lad and kind of coming through, you've got to be aware that it's a very volatile situation that at the moment, and there is different a different way to answer that question. Um, it just says a lot about Newcastle United this season that we, it's so overanalyzed. You know, everything is overanalyzed apart from the football because the football's so grim that nobody wants to talk about it. Um, but I, I understand why supporters are angry. I'm not, you know, I think it's really important not to patronise the fans and our readers as well and say, oh, you're overreacting because they're not. They're not overreacting to what's happened over the last 11 years. And I think it's very difficult for them to hear sometimes fans say, players saying, just get behind us, just be united and support us because they have been united and supported the team for, you know, three, two and a half years, three years really under Rafa. If you go right back to the relegation zone and they don't see what I think the mentality of, a, of the fans. And I think I totally understand this is we've, we've supported you. We don't feel like the club are repaying that loyalty by backing the people that we think they should be backed. And Lascelles has been kind of drawn into it, um, because I think people have seen that as a, the contracts extension as a way to kind of change the narrative before the game, which he was never going to do. It's not a big enough story. It's not a positive enough story. It's a, it is a positive story that he wants to be here and he's got a pay rise because Rafa wants the club to act like that and to reward players by extending their contracts. And it's a really good thing that the Sells wants to be here and he's committed his future and there's no relegation release clause in it. That's all positive. That's all really good but news. But
0: given any castle... In this position, given that Newcastle, certainly, Castle fans are, are promoting a boycott within the next month or so, the scepticism is high. You can yep. understand it. And I suppose it's just a kind of a, a show of the times of just how bad the feeling has got towards Mike Ashley, where something as positive as this, you know, they've tied down a, a young defender who potentially could go on to play for England, who is attracting the interest of the likes of Spurs and mm. Chelsea, big, big clubs who will play, pay big money it has been met with the kind of scepticism where the fans are saying, well, we, 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 we some think that it's a way to maybe try and get away from the negativity and say, look, we're doing positive things here, you know, and maybe dilute the feeling until January. But
1: I don't think, you know, I, I see that and I, and I sometimes see people say to us, you know, when we write about transfers that don't end up happening, you know, it's like, oh, this is around the time of season ticket prices coming up. But I don't think there's many Newcastle fans that would see what happened yesterday and think you know, oh, well, that's, that's, that's answered my questions about the club and their, their future. The fact is that he has signed an extension. It does show that he's, he believes that the club are, you know, are one to hitch his career to. So I understand the mistrust. And I think that's the biggest problem that Newcastle have while Mike Ashley is still here. Well, one of the biggest problems, the biggest problem in terms of that just nobody trusts anything that the club do. And that's a big, big problem. The fact is that some of the things that are widely circulated on social media that the club supposedly do are not accurate, and they've taken on a life of their own. Um, but the club are their own worst enemy in a lot of ways because they don't communicate well enough. They they ask to be to be given a fair hearing and for balance to happen. But when you look at where the club is, the bottom of the league, they've got a manager six months who's got six months left on his contract. They've got a team that hasn't been invested in. The transfer window passed without the club investing significantly. You can't, they can't argue with those facts. There are four or five facts now, I think, that are pretty clear there. And that's why fans, that's why fans are upset. It's not, to do with, um, it's not to do with necessarily mistrusting them or being angry for the sake of being angry. They're angry because of where the club is.
0: Now, obviously, we can't predict Mike Ashley. He's a very unpredictable man. But do you think, given the fact he's, you would say arguably released funds to, to give Jamal Lascelles a bit of a peer rise to get cells tied down for another year, um, he will be a bit miffed at the reaction? Or I
1: you think, think you, just, you, want,
0: you want- I, I'm not. I don't think. I don't necessarily agree
1: with the fact that that Mike doesn't care about anything that's, that's said about him. I think he feels like he can't win now. That That is the message that's come back to me, is he can't win with a certain section of supporters and he knows that he he will never win them around. Um, but my argument to that would be he's never tried. He's never tried, you know. Signing, you know, getting a really talented uh, skipper tied down, I don't think is necessarily something, you know, you, don't, you shouldn't get praise for that. That's how a functioning Premier League football club should work. And it's great that it has happened but let's not let's not think that that is they deserve praise for. it. It's like when sometimes when they, they go through the transfer window and they haven't sold one of their best players, you know. Sometimes we the message then comes back to us. Well, we didn't sell any of our best players. You know, we hung on to our best players despite the fact we had bids. Well, yeah, but Newcastle United should be doing that. Um, I don't give really, you know, I, look. I don't want to get overly personal with Mike Ashley because I don't know him, but I don't really have a mega amount of sympathy for for him given the way that he has acted about Newcastle United in the past. Um, if he, I, I felt like, I'd, and we did give him praise around the time of the, the championship season when he backed Rafa and the message was coming back, Rafa is the man, everything that Rafa wants, Rafa gets. He got a lot of praise then, I think, or well, not necessarily praise, but a lot of people were saying, we're happy with him, we're happy with this. He's just letting Rafa get on with it. It's on him that then he comes out with some of the statements that he's that he's come out with. He's done things that have infuriated the fan base. He hasn't done enough to win people round and to to you know, you know they're on record from the from the tribunal, Kevin Keegan's tribunals. You know that they that they said things that didn't happen, and they said that, you know that is that is on their on tribunal, and that will be um, something they'll have to live with. And the problem for Newcastle United under Mike Ashley is like, unless they start to prove with their actions that they back the man who's there at the moment, then they're going to, it's just going to be a cycle and cycle of problems. And the fact that they're bottom of the league at the moment, um, having been in a position where they could have kicked on, you know, what, what positivity can we really bring out of that? Like, yes, they've given themselves a new contract and, on its own, that's a good move. Like, like, you know, bringing back Kennedy was on its own a good move. But the fact that then you don't sign a striker and you have this situation where Rafa wants to know his budget and the club say, look, don't deal in budgets. We'll deal with the player on a case by case basis. But if your manager is saying, look, I want to know what a rough idea of a budget so I can go out and do the, do the homework on players, work with him, tell him his budget then, or give him a rough idea of how much he's got. Um, and I feel like they still th- they still think that they're doing the right things, and they're not doing the right things because the team are bottom of the league, they've been relegated twice.
0: You said on on Monday in the podcast with, with Lee Ryder that you would suspect that the narrative would be changed by Newcastle United. They would try and be a bit more positive, given the Magpie groups.
1: I think um, they will try. I thought that I said I thought they. W- I didn't say they necessarily would well, change they it, would but they'd they try. Yeah.
0: Do you think this is the start of it?
1: Um, I think that it was... T- I think, that, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I do. I do. I think this was the first thing that they'll try and do. I think that there might be other stuff that, that, you know, I don't know of anything else coming. I had an inkling on Monday when I said that that there was something coming. Um, I don't think they've got anything big in the pipeline that they're ready to go with a Rafa contract or something like that, which would be the big thing I think that they could do that would, I think, probably get the Magpie group to, to reassess where they are because, you know, if Rafa signs up, then he's then advocating it, you know, he's obviously been given some reassurances if he signs his contract. I think that would placate a lot of people, but um, we're not really that close to that, I don't think, at the moment. I think Rafa will wait until January to see what happens and then decide whether he'll, he's going to accept any revised contract offer. But I think there will be other stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see somebody in senior management give an interview or or talk a little bit or or the club to... Try and put across a vision of what they're trying to do. If they believe in it, you know they should do that. I think, but it would be, it wouldn't surprise me if 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 they don't do that. If Mike Ashley doesn't come to go to Sky or hopefully, let, hey, it'd be brilliant if he came here and we could say, look, one of my my ideal piece with Mike Ashley would be to say, right, we've got fan, our fan, our readers are your fans, um, answer their questions, we've got not about me,
0: questions, yeah.
1: Well, the 14, funnily enough, the 14 questions have actually almost all been answered at the Fans Forum. Now, the, the problem with the Fans Forum, the reason there was mistrust there was because the, the NUFC Trust said, we don't sign off these minutes. So then that becomes another element of mistrust of what was actually said in the meeting that didn't go in the notes. And I think, you know, the Fans Forum, I think, is a, is another thing, isn't it? Where people just say, well, not every why don't you just televise it or put it out on video, just say what what we want to know exactly what's going on now I would say on that I understand to an extent why the club anything the club say that goes against Rafa is going to create problems so they don't want to say anything publicly because some of their answers probably would contradict what Rafa's said in public and that's the central thing at the moment but you know they should work they should be working better together and it's a bit of a mess isn't it and will they say others? Yeah, will they do other things i think probably yeah but they're going to have to if to to really get rid of all the the only way that this this toxic atmosphere or the potentially toxic atmosphere finishes they start winning games because a lot of people will you know if they start getting back into the situation where it's they look like they're getting out of trouble it might reassess people a lot of people might reassess where they are at the moment and think you know, does the team be backing it despite the bigger issue of Ashley? Or if Rafa signs up for another four or five years, then then that will change the whole thing. Or they sign players. Those are the only three things I think that can happen that are gonna convince people because they're fed up of words now. They need actions. And, you know, look if they sign up Richie to another few few years or Debravka gets a improved contract, all very well and good. That's how our football club should work. But it's not gonna change the narrative profoundly. And I don't think the sales thing changes how people see Mike Ashley.
0: Just gone live on the uh, NUFC Chronicle Instagram account, so uh, thank you for tuning in there. Um, Mark, how big of a game is tomorrow's game against WFAD? And do you think that LaSalle's signing a new contract will send the team in with a bit of a boost?
1: Um, I don't think it'll make any di- any difference. Uh, LaSalle's signing a new contract to, to the team. I think they'll probably all... You know, I don't. I, players don't really work that way with with contracts. I don't think. Um, it, it's a boost in that Lascelles is obviously giving people. You know, that, that that's a positive. It's a massive game tomorrow. Absolutely huge. Newcastle need to win tomorrow. They need to win one of the next two. If they lose their next two, I, I think it's going to be really difficult to get to. It's going to. At the moment, they're trying to get to January in touch with the rest of the Premier League. That's what I think that they'll try and do and restock the squad. If they don't win one of the next two games, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be really, really tough to do that. The problem is these are the two probably hardest games outside the top six at the moment because Watford look really strong. They've gone to Wolves and won. They have players who are strong, you know, physically strong. Mentally, they seem to have overcome whatever it was at the end of last season that was was the problem for them. They have good players all around the pitch. They're a good team. They, they do things properly at Watford now. You know, they, they've got good owners who um, have had to convince a few people that their intentions are right.
0: An excellent piece in the Financial Times. Uh, yeah, I've not read it yet. I've not read it yet, but you should uh, read about how they scout players rather take the gamble, take the risk. And at the moment, they're seventh in the league. A win tomorrow could put them sixth. Best start. Yes. Um, Ever in the top flight better yeah. than that, the I think it was the well, late eighties team
1: that now. You yeah. Have. Oh, I mean that, that that's incredible to think that they that this is their this is their best start. And what what I find really quite interesting, and, and obviously I'll read the piece, but I, I read a, a little bits of it, that they take risks and they do things differently. Newcastle for a brief period in twenty twelve had that same attitude that we will do things slightly differently, but we'll keep reinvesting, we'll keep buying and we'll keep doing these things. And and for a brief period they had it right Newcastle. Um but it's all sort of gone wrong. But Watford have just basically have been dynamic. They've gone out and done things. Their owner hasn't put the brakes on the spending, which is what Ashley did after 2012 and, and um, the team finishing fifth. And that's what that's what you need to keep doing in the Premier League. And, you know, I think Newcastle can win tomorrow, but I, I don't feel as optimistic as I did two weeks ago when they played Brighton. I felt that was going to be, I felt that was the game where, they, where it started to go right for Newcastle. It should have been. They were good enough in that match. Um, I think they'll go for it a little bit more tomorrow, and I just hope that they can find the goal that they need because th- they won't be a million miles away, there won't be much in the game tomorrow. And if Newcastle can find the goal, then they've got a chance. But I-, I think, probably like the rest of the Newcastle fans, I'm going in in hope rather than expectation tomorrow.
0: Definitely, I mean, the stats aren't good at all. I mean, Newcastle, if they lose tomorrow, will become the first ever side in to the top flight to lose six a set of games. Opening games at home, at home, right, uh, yeah. And I believe Watford have won the last four outings against Newcastle. The yes, game.
1: five, including it's the back, FA Cup. Yeah.
0: The FA Cup, and obviously the last uh, home game was against Watford last season in November. Um, Watford won three 0 Yeah. And it was kind of the moment where you really thought, "Oh, Newcastle had a bit of yeah. bothered because Watford themselves hadn't been having the best of spells. Uh, and you play Newcastle off the park. I think Andrew Graham is two sitters.
1: Yeah. Richarlison was excellent that day as well. have been a lot more. And
0: yeah. You, yeah, wait, is this a kind of turning point, do you think, because if they lose tomorrow, where, where, do, where do we go from here? I,
1: I, think the answer, I think the answer really at the moment for Newcastle is, look, if they lose, they just have to roll on to Bournemouth and it is just all about, and I think this is the message from Rafa as well, it's just all about finding a way to stay in touch with the three, t- three or four teams that are, that will be out of the, the relegation zone if they can't start to put those wins together. You know, it. They've got two home games, so it's not just about tomorrow. I think they've got to get a win from one of these next two games. What happens if they don't? If they don't, look, there's it's not a lot. It's like Brighton, isn't it? That defeat was unthinkable. There, they lost the game and rolled on to um, rolled on to Southampton the week after. The games are still winnable around there. You know, they've got Burnley away. You'd feel like, you know, Rafa, you could imagine Rafa digging something out of there. They've got Fulham and Huddersfield coming for Christmas. The wins are there for them if if they can put it together. The problem at the moment is we haven't seen enough to suggest that they can get the goals to, to win the matches. Um, it feels unthinkable that they lose the next two games, but, you know, what happens if they lose the next two? The relegation odds shorten significantly. What can we do, you know? I think it'll probably crystallise everybody's. a lot of people who want, are going to protest. It'll crystallise their thoughts, process about that, and it'll only get worse. Um, but, you know, we spend, a, we spend half our lives covering Newcastle talking about the worst-case scenarios because that's the fatalism that we've got un, under Mark Ashley. Let's hope that something happens. Let's hope that they, they get their, their spark they need to reignite the season. So on
0: Team U's one done working back to for fitness, do you expect him to start tomorrow?
1: Well, Rafa said today that he's fit. Um, he said he's not match fit yet, but the only way he gets match fitness is by playing. So that to me would suggest that he's going to feature definitely tomorrow. Um, I wasn't at Southampton, but Lee tells me that apparently he was not, didn't look particularly sharp at Southampton. So it's a question of whether you start with him and think he might give you that, that little difference and then think he can only maybe play 45 minutes or you say we'll go sixty minutes with Muto and then go for Rondon, which I think is probably what he'll do. Rondon will probably get twenty minutes tomorrow. Um, Muto will start.
0: Just on Rondon, a quick question from Tom, Tom Valentine on on Instagram: Why has uh, Rafa gone after Slimani last January and then Rondon in the summer? With both, I, I mean, Slimani was injured when he came. Rondon yeah. wasn't, but he was. He wasn't much fit. The question is, you know. Well, yeah, why has he gone after he's unfit and
1: an injured striker? So Slomani, I think, was because they went, because they took so long you know, over Jürgensen. And I think Slomani got the injury about two or three days before they ended up signing him. I don't think the injury they thought was, I think they thought it would be about two or three weeks. So they gambled, really, I think, on, on signing him. And then obviously he got he got injured again, didn't he? Um, so it was that was a failing, I think, of transfer policy, really, because they decided to go... They decided to go for Jurgensen, who Rafa wanted. Then Newcastle wouldn't pay the price. And that's that's what happened there. With Rondon, again, another failing of transfer policy because Rafa was offered other strikers by the club um, and said, no, I want Rondon because he'd, he'd identified Rondon within a budget that he thought that was going to be there. You know, I don't think Rondon would have been his first choice if he had got all the money that he wanted. But Rafa basically wanted Rondon from the start of the summer. He could see how it would work with Rondon. The failing there is that it's it went on too long and he didn't get the chance to work with him in the summer. Um, Rondon then, you know, has had, he's not had a full pre-season because he's been working with the physios at, at West Brom and stuff. So it's been a bit of a problem. And then Raff, and then Rondon has got, got injured. His, his record, injury record, isn't bad. You know, he played most of the games for West Brom last year. So they took a decision on it and I think it's backfired. You know, it's been a little bit, a little bit of Rafa because he was very stubborn in what he wanted. He wanted Rondon. Um, that was the player that he wanted. He wasn't going to go for the alternatives that were offered. You know, mostly the club because the club should have should have either gone and got Rondon, you know, or if or, or said you're not getting anybody. But that that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's the transfer policy basically. But but Rafa feels that Rondon, when he's fit, will work really well in this system. But, you know, we're almost a third of the way through the season now and he's not been fit yet. So Rafa will have to wear that one. Rafa will have to wear that one because Mitrovic is still amongst the top scorers in the Premier League. You know, just because we believe in Rafa doesn't mean that he doesn't make any mistakes and that could end up being a really costly error if Newcastle end up going down because they can't score goals.
0: You were looking at Prez's stats when you came back from the press conference. Do you see him starting in the number 10 I mean, yeah. you were, I think he's got one assist.
1: One assist... No goals. Um,
0: and it, I mean, it is all very well to really. criticise him. You know, he, he hasn't produced the goods in t- terms of assists or goals, but who do you start and place him? The army came out this week and said, well, I'm not too fussed about mm. playing that holding role for now. It's about getting the points on yeah. the board. Do you maybe turn to a younger player, say maybe um, Sean Longstaff yeah. someone like that? I mean, what do you do? Because it's he a, hasn't got the options.
1: It's a big call cool to put Longstaff in there. I mean, Mutu could play the number 10 role, but then who do you play up front? Is it Josselou? Is it Rondon or half it Rondon? That's the question, isn't it? Perez at the moment, I think he's taking out the firing line. I think he's struggling. Um, but, you know, he's a player with talent. I, I, I never think with, Ron, with Perez it's as bad as people think he is. He plays a certain way for Rafa. Rafa wants him to play a certain way. Um, and it's difficult for Perez to be the kind of creative player that, that he probably wants to be in the role that Rafa has for them. But then he did it at the end of last season. So people sort of say, but he's not playing well at the moment. There's no doubt about it. He's missing chances. Um, You know, his speed of thought isn't quite as strong as it was last season. if, If you will, if that makes any sense, but there aren't any, there aren't any massive replacements for him. The army played number 10 in the championship. Didn't, didn't look great in that role. I know. I think he's more of an attacking midfielder. The army. I think he's, that that would be his best role. But he's such a good team player that he'll play wherever. Um, but I don't think he's a number ten, and that creates creates problems of its own. So I think Perez will, will start, and they'll just keep. They Rafa thinks that they weren't that far away against Southampton. Uh, sorry, against Brighton and against Manchester United. So he will go with very similar tactics and very yeah, similar. To of yeah.
0: team. I don't think so. Like, like, I don't like, think so. Um, and just finally, the mark, your uh, score prediction.
1: The head says they lose again. The heart says they win, and it's and they get the, they get an early goal. That's what they need. They need to get an early goal, get the fans on their side, and really and really go for it. You know. They can't afford to do what happened against Brighton, which was a really good start. Run out of steam, they score, and then you're up against it. If that happens tomorrow, you know I fear for them because they don't know they've got two, three goals in them. So once they concede, it's a big, big task. Let's let's be positive and say they're going to win, but I, you know I do fear for them again tomorrow because Watford are just in such good form and Newcastle are in such bad form.
0: Please don't email in if you've read the piece online where Mark predicts a defeat. This is just. <laughs> More,
1: don't <laughs> yeah. well I think that's probably what's going to happen if I'm being honest but I hope that they win
0: fingers crossed if you head over to chronicle uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle Night news including uh, the build up and match day coverage of tomorrow's game where hopefully we will be able to report on so, I mean, it it's been a while hasn't it thank you very much